Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Grivy, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and dirty eater, Alex Dandino. That's right. Before today's just sumptuous episode, sumptuous, delicious, delectable episode, a little business, people please go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Help support the show. Help us grow the show. Uh, we're always working hard over there to make sure that it is a great value for you guys. Uh, huge Patreon exclusive library commentaries, mini uh, mini series. We have a lot of fun and awesome stuff going on over there. Working hard to make that a good value. And we appreciate if you could go over to patreon.com slash Pod. Help us grow this show. Uh, help us keep the lights on over there. We appreciate you in advance. Those of you who are already patrons, you know we love you. You know we love you. You know the uh, content YouTube, we give, Film Alchemist. That hot content. That hot content. Hot, hot goss. Yeah. The YouTube Film Alchemist. We're on all the social medias you're on, including TikTok now. You can find the Film Alchemist pod on TikTok, uh, where you can find clips and other such. We have some fun stuff we're working on over there, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so go over there, check us out. Find us wherever you hang out. We'll be there. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you're leaving five-star ratings and reviews. Help us defeat the algorithm uh, whenever you can, whenever possible. Oh, actually, there's one more. Misfitparade.net to check out little cool yeah. stuff Come that on. we're making. Misfit Parade is also on all the socials.net. That's our website. All right. All consumptive love. We kind of did a little, we kind of pussyfooted around the bush with fear and sleeping with the enemy. Is that bones and all love? No, that's just like I, I have a thing for a lady. Yeah. This is like a true eat em up. That's like stalker love. This is like legit. Yeah. I will follow you to the ends this of your is, earth love. Have you ever loved someone so much that you're like, I cannot get them close enough. I want them in my digestive tract. That's what this is. Literally. That's what it is. We got we got the old stroke and throat. We got a lot of just wild, sexy, bloodlusting maneuvers happening. <laughs> the throat. <laughs> the old jerk and throat. We're going to have to come up with a better name for that. The stroke and throat. Please. Pretty incredible kill maneuver. <laughs> you know, die doing what you love. That's what I've always believed. Um, so neither here nor there. This is a... It's just a fascinating, brilliant movie, honestly. Is it too long? Yes. You know the film Alchemist stance on long movies. If it's going to be long, you better earn it, and you better not have three or four scenes that are doing the exact same lifting, which I think you could argue Bones and All has a lot of kind of repeat moments, repeat emotional moments, repeat vibes. I tend to give this one a pass on that more than other movies that kind of it's abused not the audience's absurdly time absurdly longer than it should be it's just a little longer. no 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 just there there are little bits but what this movie really wants us to do is breathe because at its core what they're telling us is that this is a monster movie and then you find out the monster is really just the the difficulty of being alone of being unloved of never fitting in these these more amorphous monsters become kind of the focal point they kind of fill every inch of the frame Beyond the actual eaters, I think they're called at one point. Um, so while Mark Rylance is fucking terrifying, what you find is really scary is just cruising this world alone, man. Parents don't want you. You can't go to school. You can't have friends. You can't have love. Um, and the journey of that, the way they let that breathe, the way they let us sit in emotional moments and kind of based in whatever the characters are feeling at the time, I, I think this movie is so fucking strong, man. Um, that really, I just, I didn't fucking care. Whatever they were doing at a certain point, I was just in for the ride. I, I loved it so much more this time than when I saw it in the theaters. I think this is an absolutely stunning film. Alex, opening thoughts on Bones and Owl. Bones and Owl is just vibes, man. It's just vibes. vibes. It's got vibes all over the place. I really, it's... Every performance is strong, even small roles like, I mean, David Gordon Green as the like yeah. sidekick 
strong, man. Like all these, well, you're, you're definitely like one of these things is not like the others. All these, but it was fine. Little pieces <laughs> are so just put together in a way that isn't distracting. It doesn't. I think the really key element of the whole movie is that the romance is so heavily focused on over the horror of it that when the horror enters it's such a shock to your system that you like re-lock back into the movie in a way really fascinating i, I again i think uh i think uh, luca guadagnino is just like one of those great he's just going to be one of those great filmmakers who pops up every couple of years makes a movie and then goes away like i this movie to me screams of like almost this this kind of terrence malick vibe like i got i don't know about you i got like days of heaven vibes from this oh yeah real strong days of heaven we we have so many great filmmakers there are very few that are great at this kind of this is a really specific thing and i think that yeah this this let it breathe sit with the carrot because that's the thing it has these kind of genre set pieces right these kind of genre dressings that's not what this movie's about. No. What this movie's about, right? And the opening's so beautiful. It's a girl alone on a piano. This other young lady's like, hey, you want friends. You said you want to make more friends. Sneak out to my house. Very relatable, right? We watch a teenage girl. She wants to have friends, right? There's a shot where she's out of breath and covered in shit, and she, she sees the normal girl's party through the window and knocks, and they let her in. And then her and the friend are, like, sitting under the table having this really kind of adorable moment where you're like, Oh, maybe this is even more than friendship. Maybe this is young love, right? Like these very relatable moments that are scary, right? Like if you think back to that age of just trying to make new friends, uh, of trying to be cool, going to a sleepover where you don't know the other people and you're trying to be cool, right? And uh, maybe you're starting to have feelings you don't understand. So these really relatable. So your emotions are revved up even though no whore is happening. And what what he does in this movie so well is the horror and violence just becomes these these really shocking punctuation marks. Yeah, that's the great way to put it. In the it. middle of a movie that is kind of real life scary but doesn't feel like they yeah. belong. Uh, and it's, I'll tell it's you what expertly this, dropped. I'll tell you what it feels like cuz I agree like punctuation marks is the great way to put like what is the visible horror of this film. This is like what Griffey and I's favorite movie of I think 2020 or 2021 was Nomadland. <laughs> this is ex- <laughs> this is the bucket poop. This is the this is like the no, but to me this is that thing that a lot of people who didn't necessarily like Nomadland. I thought it was fine, but like you know the rest of us like Griffey and I talked about this a lot. It just like very sort forgettable. of forgettable, very forgettable. No one's talked about it since. Yeah, like to me, what makes. This has all these memorable pieces that would have made Nomadland memorable. Like Bones and All has that same Nomadland vibe, which is this sort of day in the lifeness of a drifter, an outsider, an outsider. The otherness is so pervasive throughout the film that you really do feel you feel connected to these characters in a way that you don't feel connected to other like drifters and drifter like movies. Yeah, and and and. I think it's so lovely, right? That any movie, and this movie kind of does both at the same time, right? But putting us in the space of the outsider, the person you would drive by on the road or see, and yeah, uh, like you just make all of these base assumptions, right? Putting us in their shoes and saying, hey, man, that's a fucking human being in there. And you have no fucking idea what they went through or what, you know, this is why people talk about privilege and advantage and this and that. That's what it's really about is don't fucking shit on someone. You know, just from seeing them for a second and assume backwards all this negativity to make yourself feel better, mm-hmm. right? That's what we're really talking about. Not an exact accounting, right? And so movies that put you in those spots, like Francis McDormand in that, like Marin and Lee in this, where it's like these people that, you know, and granted, and this is like an all-timer, like bad fashion, bad haircut movie. So you would want to judge the shit out of them immediately as we start aging. It's late 80s. But, no, I get it. Yeah, putting us in that, you know, that kind of other piece person shoe and how would it feel if this was you and your parents left and you had this horrible affliction and you didn't know where you're from or why you can't get any fucking answers. You just want help. But instead you see Mark Rylance fucking face down ass up eating an old lady, you know, like how do you experience this? So the way of putting us in the outsider shoe to force us to grapple with their humanity, 
mixed with putting us in what we would call a monster shoes. Sure. And realizing that what one of the things I loved watching at this time is you start once the like kind of shock of what they're doing wears off on you, you realize at a point you're like, how can you call these people monsters at all? They're they're doing exactly what nature designed them for. Right? Like we don't watch a shark like, oh, a shark ate a surfer and we're like fucking sharks. Sharks are the worst. Sharks are out to get. No, they're fucking sharks. You fucking surfed over their area and they were hungry and they ate you. Right. The, and I love that the movie never explains anything. Cause it kind of keeps us in this. It allows us to put ourselves in that situation with our own bullshit. Cause there, there is an amorphous nature to why they're eating. But yeah, we're, we're in the outsider shoe. One shoes outsider, one shoes monster. And we really take it for a walk, man. Like you really sink very deep into the emotional psyche of this movie. So much more than, than most movies allow you to to dive in. I mean, I think that's why I always that's why I feel it has very Terrence Malick vibes. Like, yeah. Besides, but even that, his, I don't know that I link all the time. No, no, no. But I, I don't mean like now. His movies now are much more ethereal. I would say like that's why I yeah. brought up Days of Heaven. Like to me, Days of Heaven is such a there's great, a sweet spot in these kind of movies. Yeah. Like to me, Days of Heaven is such a great analog to this movie because it does have that that same voiceover thing. I don't do voiceover like voiceover in movies is kind of hard. I think sometimes there's like a real sweet spot for it. Andre Holland's voiceover particularly is just nailed to the, like well, it's a pretty brilliant device. It's really well worn device. We see this dad who just, I mean, at the start she comes back, she bites that finger off. She has this like sexual release face, but then she's running and tearing. and the dad's like, you did you it didn't. three minutes. Dude, it's great, so you man. know, this has happened before. I and it's love really Andre tense. Holland too. Like he's an and then exquisite she's, he's actor. just gone. He's so fucking He's good. so good. And just literally feast on the little bit he's got. But then he leaves her a tape because he says, I cannot. It's like Marin when she meets her grandma. It's just like they want nothing to do. We know that you're not one of us. Whatever you are, we can't grapple with, right? Her, him as the father is just like this, what monster have I created and how have I failed as a parent, right? The grandmother's is very much this Midwestern Bible lady, thinks she can help the world by adopting this girl she heard about. And then she's like, oh, this isn't a troubled girl that's going to make me like a Facebook superstar. This is a monster. I, I, and it's almost an assault on her yeah. God, right? Like, why would God create the? So you watch this, but what they do is they say, here's a tape recorder. Where we're not going to have any fucking answers. So I hate voiceovers that are trying to tell us answers that we haven't earned. Yeah. That's bad writing. What this is saying is, hey, the first time I saw this, you were eating an earlobe with an earring. You were three. Hey, there was a time when you went to camp. Why did I let you go to camp? And a boy went missing. Right. So now we're what I, we're doing is we're, we're filling in his emotional journey. Right. I'll tell you the thing. I wish that I had actually gotten more of it. Because I do think it's a really lovely, like, on it top of the carnage. It does kind of pop off after they meet the mom, yeah. On top of the carnage, I actually think that that's a beautiful punctuation mark to a lot of these scenes yeah. as well. This movie is just punctuated very well. Like, these journeyman right. stories sometimes can drag in a way that you don't expect them to. And I'm not saying the movie is, like, incapable of dragging, but it does a very good job of Oh, it not, definitely is at times, yeah. It does a very good job of, like, not doing it to the point where I, like, want to turn the movie off. I... Again, I, I want to. I also. It never gets lost up its own ass. Yeah, that's, that's the a danger zone way for these movies. That's a great yeah. way to put it. It never gets lost up its own ass. It just, it does such a good job of making the movie it wants to make. And again, Luca Guadagnino is just like, I don't know, man. He just knows how to do this in a way that I have not. Like, you could see another director, like especially like a first-time director, just getting lost in a three-hour extravaganza, lost. and you're like, this is not going to work. This is well, it's, it's for being like a two-hour and eleven-minute movie. This is yeah. like a really tight two hours and eleven minutes. To be honest with you, yeah. And there's so many kinds of great directors, right? Like I just watched the new Indiana Jones. I'm trying to watch through the Oscar mm -hmm. movies, and I mean, what a hideous piece of shit of a film. <laughs> and I just I saw these people on Letterboxd like it gave me that vibe of old Indiana Jones. It gave me what I want. The third act is fun, and I was watching. I was like, what a hideous piece of shit movie. The, the story is stupid. The fucking them all being ancient is so bad. Um, there's like little moments at work. And I was sitting there. I was like, James Mangold is a great, great director. director. But there are directors that are good at different things. And you're like the even Spielberg, right? He makes a certain kind of movie. 
he couldn't make this movie. No. Spielberg couldn't make this fucking movie as good as it is. No. And so what Luca's superpower is, is finding a way to make those those small moments, right? Like them sitting on the planes. To make that feel as cinematic and eventful to me as Nazis in Indiana Jones flying over Archimedes or whatever. Actually, way fucking more. By the way, <laughs> if you like the new Indiana Jones, man, I do appreciate the, like, standing on business for Indiana Jones. Like, we remember, uh, that movie fucking sucks, balls. I couldn't get through 40 minutes. Just old droopy balls that, like, touch the water when he sits down to shit. That's the kind of balls Indiana Jones, the new one sucks. Neither right? here neither nor here there. Nor there. <laughs> We're not here to shit on Indiana Jones's fucking remains. We're here to fucking gobble up Mark Riley. I'll Lance say this other thing about <laughs> what's impressive. Like, for a movie that is this, this cast is fucking stacked, dude. How fucking Holy amazing shit. is every actor in this movie? Every single performance, every big or single, small. Except for David Gordon so, Green, whatever. who's very average. Again, but that's fine. But David Gordon Green's lines are like one thing, and then he just smiles yeah. through the rest of it. He's it's supposed fine. to play Whatever. a creep that would make you uncomfortable as he's just a normal guy who cannibalizes. Nailed I'm like, it. he did that. Nailed it. Thank also, you. I was like, the balls on David Gordon Green, because one, he's like, you know what? I'm going to come in and just start fucking around with Halloween. I'm going to start fucking around with The Exorcist, and he's just taking shots, and then he's like, what, you have Timothy Chalamet, Mark Rylance, just a cast of heavy hitty ac hitter actors? He's like... Yeah, I'm gonna come in and chew the scenery with of, them. Hey, do you want to be? Do you want to chew the scenery in a scene with Timothy Chalamet? Uh, what is this? What is her, what is the actress name? Russell. Um, cannot remember her name off the top of my head. Taylor Russell. Do you want to do yeah, a scene so with Taylor Russell, Timothy Chalamet, and oh yeah, Michael Stahlberg? Like, what, how do you feel about that? Yeah, sure. I'll just be a fly on the wall. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead. And he and goes. You know what? It. I do fit in that kind of company. I do That's fit in that the acting yeah. level I'm bringing. To but this. like. You know who the like, balls on that guy? You have to. You appreciate. have to respect. I'll say the other big thing, ass balls. The other thing that I was like not prepared for is because you brought it up. The grandma, fucking Jessica Harper, who was amazing in the like five minutes she's in this movie. She does this again. Everybody has this great, these great scenes. Everyone is good. Chloe Seventy, like everyone yeah, is this, awesome. What this movie actually is, because you start thinking about, it, you're like, all right, it's not a cannibal movie. It's not a vampire movie. It's barely, it's a horror movie because it's rooted in like horror There's imagery. But even that horrific that happens, vamp vampiric almost. Yeah. What I actually think this movie is, this is a post-apocalypse movie. This is walking sure. through the remain, the emotional remains of of a family tree. Yeah, well, like we are just walking through and seeing. So Jessica Harper's grandma, again, this is a woman who thought she was doing good in the world adopting this girl i'll take care of her i'm gonna be the talk of the church all that gets blown up her life is wrecked yeah. now she has to go to her small town church and do her small town fourth of july parades and you know potlucks and she goes oh wait i just know there are people that eat other fucking people right i just know there are people that are not us they were designed to eat why would nature i.e god create these things to do that i'm doing my part i put my 10 percent in every week and you just watch the remnants of her. Like when she sees Marin, there's nothing except for if you could just leave so I can go back to pretending it was a nightmare. Yeah. Right? You see the dad and he's just like, I fucking tried, man. This, I, I cannot fucking live like this. I cannot help you. Everybody's attempt to normalize yeah. the behavior, essentially. Timothy Chalamet can't go back home for fear his mom will see him. Yeah. Because mom thinks he killed his dad who tried to eat him. Like, we are just watching what is left yeah. of people. It, most notably, Chloe Severny, who just fucking crushes yeah. in an essentially wordless role. We do hear her voiceover with her letter. But we, we, what we do is we watch, they're showing us this, this young romance that feels like so many other movies. And then Chloe Severny is like, yeah, I had that. Look where I am now. I have no fucking hands. I want to kill myself. Monsters do not deserve love in this story. It's And she goes, the only reason I didn't kill myself is because I'm waiting for you to come find me and I'm going to spare you the pain by fucking chewing your throat open. Yeah. In watching the wreckage of Marin's mother, 
in watching the desperation as she watches her read that letter. Not in shame, but in anticipation because she wants her to know why she's ripping her throat out. It's this The emotional depth that that scene is portraying visually. Well, like, do you ever think in a movie Movies don't about, hit that very like, often. Do you, again, if you walk in with the broad strokes of what this movie is, did you ever think a movie about cannibals would end up being about, like, generational trauma and all these other, like, very this cons- is not cannibal holocaust and cannibal feroxy's no, piece of shit movies that people are like this that's is, extreme which bro. is like i think that's the great that's, I mean. that's the great misnomer of walking into the theater for this yeah. kind of movie or you it's know, an emotional extreme. apocalypse film yeah that's, that's the new genre i would put this in i think that's a great i mean to me the movies that have come to mind when i think about like where this fits like because i always think about Requiem for a Dream. Like New Beverly's, right? a, New Beverly's a great place, like where they do a lot of like kooky double features. Because Quentin Tarantino's mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino, like this would fit with like, yeah, Requiem. I would program it with Days of Heaven, even though both of them are like really, really long movies. Like the other one that I think of a lot is Only Lovers Left Alive, because it's another one about like tangentially about the horror yeah. aspect of what it is. Bram Stoker's Dracula, a little bit. <laughs> Well, Bram Stoker's Dracula is like by accident about Dracula. It's mostly about yeah. sex. Um, yeah. But I, it's that weird. It's I just mean, there's such just, a great. It's, it's such a great movie about. I love that phrase, emotional apocalypse. That's that's brilliant. yeah. We yeah. we are. It's the road. It's Cormac McCarthy's The Road, but it's just feelings. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what we're, we're pushing a shopping cart through. What's left of people's feelings? Totally. Spoiler alert: It ain't much, except for the two young lovers. Who are who trying. finding each other? They think they can fucking forge ahead. I love that line. Right after we do the old throat and stroke, when he's like flirting with this guy, and the camera's real close. We're watching his flirting technique is a predatory technique, right? And like, all right, he goes over, he catches the guy, he's just fucking jerking him off into the cornfield. Every every Hoosier boy has had this exact fantasy. We're all susceptible. <laughs> Maybe I don't want Timothy Chalamet's little fucking Slender Man hands jerking me off. Fair. I would either want, like, a lady's hands or, like, big fucking, like, deadlifter hands. Like, it's got to be one or the other, I think. Your like, hands. catcher's mitt. <laughs> yeah, my hands. I don't I don't want these little fucking... <laughs> I don't want Jack Skellington doing it, you know? You got to be one or the other. Yeah. But he's getting jerked off. And what I love is that Chalamet's at least, like, a, a guy. It's like... A guy, a kind heart, whatever the phrase is for that. Like, he's a good one. Way to let him bust before you. So, like, right as the ejaculate hits the leaf, then you slice. That's a real service. That's a real. And I don't know (laughs) biologically what that. Because they say they can smell all this extra sensory shit. I don't know if that would taint the flavor if the balls are bluer. But I was like, what a, what a, what a fucking good one. What a real one for letting him fucking spray a nut before blood. I was A plus, A plus. That's a real. But then there's a couple scenes, service. right, where you go back, right? The first guy we see him kill at a convenience store. He's kind of Robin Hooding. He kills this guy. They go back to this dude's house. It's a shitty little room with uh, just fucking tits taped to the wall and kiss posters. And we sing Lick It Up. And I was like, I fucking love that Lick It Up is in the middle of this kind of art house fucking movie. I was waiting. And I was like, yeah, dude. You're like, kill these guys, take their money, and let's go. They try that again with the throat and stroke guy, right? Yeah. Oh, he's got a fucking family. He's got a wife. He's got kids. We see the wife running in the distance through the yard. It's it's so funny. It's amazing. It's this, such a set you up. This kiss, lick it up scene, I was like, this is yeah. why this is like Griffey's movie. Because this is like, you know. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you if you. If you, you had me at cannibals. You had my fucking heart at lick it well, up. Well, my dude. question, I was going to ask if you felt upset that they. Uh, the gentleman who was uh, clearly a member of the Kiss Army was such a douchebag. They did not do a favor. Um, they did not do a favor once- for the Kiss Army. No, uh, like the Juggalos, like Swifties, like so many the be- the Beehive, <laughs> Beehive, like so many great communities. The remake of we this in thirty turns. years is definitely Swifty. Like, yeah. What do you? What's he listening to? Love Story. All right. Yeah. We all we all have our turds. It's it's no you know <laughs> Ravens fans like whoever you're a group of. Sure, there's turds in every punch bowl. Of course, right? Uh, as a former card carrying member of the Kiss Army, I can say that we will not miss him. <laughs> we will not miss him. Uh, it's That's like, all I needed to know. 
Yeah, and I just thought it was great. But then you pair that with the seeing the lady run, my husband, uh, and you're like, okay, so he's yep. this closeted man who's, you know, just wants to get jerked off in corn. He's deleting a double life. So we're watching his kind of emotional family wreckage being, we're actually watching it fall, that one. We're watching the demolition right there. And I love that moment where Marin loses it. And she's like, what the fuck? We're monsters. And Timothy Chalamet has one of my favorite lines in the movies. He goes, how fucking dare you make this harder? That is and a to me, brilliant line in this movie. It's such a fucking powerhouse. Because Lee on. often is chasing Marin, and he's just this like emotionally inept young guy. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I don't know how to deal with this. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. At least he's emotionally mature enough to say, I need help. I want to do right, but I don't have the answers. In that moment when he kind of puts that on her, that's where it really sunk into me. It's like, how can you get mad at something for doing exactly what it's designed for? I think that's what's... They're not us. They're not humans. Yeah. That's what's so fascinating about that moment. And again, it's it's again one of those, like, this movie is just punctuation. That is really, like, that. that is probably the buzzword, I would say. Like, there are things in this movie, and that's one of them. Even a line of dialogue like that just ends a scene in a way that's like, how dare you make this harder? It's like, oh, shit. He's not just yeah. a fucking murderer. This is like sustenance. Like, this isn't just like ritualistic they have murder. To eat. They have to right. eat. Right, and it, it's, you know, he's trying to find people. Like, they all have their code of how they try to figure it out. And so we see kind of all the extremes, right? Mark Rylance tries to claim that he looks for people who are dying. Uh, Chalamet tries to find assholes and kiss army members. Um... <laughs> And then uh, the fucking dirt balls we meet, he's just like, I'll get whoever the fuck. I don't care. Like, I'm just I'm eating as much as I can and enjoying this. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just every fucking scene. It's really incredible. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where the scenes are just more perfectly formed individually. Again, there's a lot of repetition. But they're there so is. perfectly formed as these little micro me the events way that I've seen that happen before, though, in other movies. I, I really. The way it's paced is mm-hmm. strategic and it's very no. and honestly pleasant. Like, it's a really it's a well paced movie. And yeah, like, I know we talk about the length of movies a lot. It really did not bother me how long this movie was. No. I, and that's the thing. It doesn't bother me at all. And again. We say as a baseline, it's a good good 90 minutes. If you're going to go over 90, yeah, it's kind of one of our bits. If you're going to go over 90, earn it. I mean, there are not many movies that earn it as well as this. Because that's the thing. If these these scenes were edited faster and, you know, we kind of are emotionally truncated because of that, the movie would collapse. It wouldn't work. We have to sit on the high planes. Absolutely. We have to sit, because that's the thing, like that high plane scene. The point of it is that she wants him to expose himself the last time. Two predators, unsure, they're shaky, can they find love? She goes, I want you to take the last step. Meet me, right? You saw my horrible secret. I want to know your, meet me. What happened with your dad? There's a lot of them just driving happy through nothingness. There's them sitting in nothingness. That extra time sitting in that moment, what it does for us as an audience is it shows us crystal clear without a shadow of a doubt. If there were no human beings around, there is no impediment to their happiness. The reason that they've struggled in this life and their parents have tried to kill them and eat them and their families have abandoned them and they're on the run is because they are not us. They are so far removed from society. So the extra time breathing in that scene is crucial. The moments where he talks about how he tried to save his dad and his dad was trying to eat him and that's the first time he smelled it. Yeah. He talked about the look his dad had when his dad was breathing funny and he knew after three days being duct taped that he was coming to eat him. The feelings of him talking about when he did, he felt high as shit and it was great. As he's talking about eating his father after he got out of jail, covered in his own blood that his father had drawn. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that's only a tragedy because they exist in a a human world, in a world where they were the dominant species early, and it was just understood that we eat each other. This is nature. Yeah. But watching them try to be something they can never fully be, you really sit in that moment. You're like, fuck. These kids could just be so happy. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, and they give us that. But I how? Think this is... How will this ever work out so that that separation, that quietness, right. that slowness matters? Well, I think that's what's so critical about the back half of the movie because they give us that. They show these people. They show like whenever where where do they settle down in? It was Ann Michigan? Arbor. Ann Arbor, Michigan, yeah. University of Michigan. Yeah. So they settle down in Ann Arbor and literally become like domesticated, not drifter people. Like, I mean, you know, they still dress. Think weird. of the the comfort of just her getting ready in like a tank top and her underwear, like, walking this, out, like, giving really him a kiss as he's cooking, talking thing. to his sister. You're like, fuck. And again, it's one of those. Wow. That is how small their dream was. Some of us would think that's not enough. That's and amazing, they were though. so fucking happy. I think the thing that's so fascinating about the way the movie's paced too is because I, I Andre and I watched this and every single scene we were waiting for the other shoe to drop. I think that's yeah. like always the thing. And especially once, once Mark Rylance shows back up and like curses her out in the, you could. yeah. Calling her the C word. And I never that, ate face down ass up with no one before. <laughs> that means something. You're that's like, Jesus, like, pal. You're like, okay, so that's he's come back once. We have to have the final, like, it's gonna happen. Just by, by movie logic, it has to happen in threes. So you're like, where's mm -hmm. you know it's coming, and you, there's well, gonna have to be a third. It's also because that's the only time where we start really happy. Yeah, and so you know that last shoe is going to be extraordinarily it's just, hard it's to this suffer. Huge, yeah, like this huge. What is it? The Damocles sword. Yeah, this movie's got like the Damocles ceiling of swords. Like, yeah. there's one for every it's fucking this happy huge moment. Air Jordan waiting to just stomp out this yeah. entire. Or sorry, he's mostly wearing a Juggalos Doc Martin. Seems like he's wearing mostly uh, Reebok pumps. So it's just this huge Reebok Reebok pump waiting to just. Drop. That's true. There weren't Juggalos when this movie was made. No, there were not. Was there Fago? I hope so. I hope Fago's been world around since before Fago. I'm assuming Fago's would... been around since the beginning of time, but I could be Fago wrong. Fago does fucking rule. They get made fun of a lot. They have great taste in drink. I Neither actually here nor think, there. I think knockoff soda is generally pretty good. It's all good. Like it's all good. To the point. <laughs> there are just moments of them constantly confronting. Like I love that diner scene when they're just talking about what they're gonna do and the little girl's watching her and she makes that that yeah. monster face. But she is a real fucking monster to that kid. It's it's just beautiful across the board. The thing we have not talked about, which we should before we do the ending. um, Is Mark Rylance just immediately like one of the top five fucking greatest performances in a horror movie ever? Can I? Yeah. Like can how take fucking good here? is Sully in this movie? Can like we... it's fucking wild because this movie's full of good actors. He's amazing. This performance and the choices he makes. Can we just it is take one a of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. I, I have to take a moment because I, I actually paused the movie last night to say this to Andrea. I was just like, there's not a single movie not made better by Mark Rylance just showing up. Like, you know, what's weird is like, I feel like he never mattered. He got nominated for like Bridge of Spies. And I was like, who the fuck is that? And then now he like pops up and shit. And he is so he is the best part of movie. He just like never was in my my purview Same. for some reason. But and then now it's like he was I but mean, something like this. I was like, this is this has to easily be his best performance of all time. I mean, it was like this. Don't like the don't do look the research, up performance but. like he's just. He is not un like this, fucking believable, but he like is that first where he's like, terrifying. Hey, hey I smelled you. And he grabs that toothpick and they do that side shot of like the toothpick and the feather. And you're like, he's already Dude, iconic. Already. He's iconic. been on screen for two oh minutes God. and he's already that whole opening scene. The fucking braids um, trying to kind of fill her in. And he's like, follow your nose. Tell me what you smell. And you start. There's like this rhythm that he finds in how he, he has talks, this, right? He has that and like Pennywise creep without having to put on makeup. You're like, fuck me, yeah, dude. It's so creep. fucking scary because you know it's so bad, but then you're like, but he's the same as her, and the opening scene told me that I do kind of like her. So maybe he'll be this like charming mentor, like an Obi wanna eat old ladies now. You're like, all right, maybe. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's, you know. She's like, I can't. Like, that lady's still alive. We got to get out of here. And he goes, let me bone down on this. We got to eat. He's like, whatever we got, it's got to be fed. And then he starts this, you know, like, eventually you're going to have to do it more and more and more. Yeah. And he has that line, you won't always be able to hold back. He's kind of letting her know. And it's this weird self-indictment, right, that eventually the more you concede to it, it will just take over. So you never know. 
Is he telling you the truth? Whatever. But then the tidy whiteys thing in the morning where they're just like in their underwear. They're covered in blood. He's got his like fucking braid. He keeps the hair of all the women. Mm-hmm. So you're like, he's kind. He thinks he's honoring them. Is he liking? You never know where it comes from with Sully. Yeah. But then the tidy whiteys are creepy, whatever. He's like, let's get cleaned up. They eat face down, ass up together. Mm-hmm. He gives her this incredible look. Like It's one of those Dude. silent acting moments. It's when like she's, that's when what she's driving away on the, the bus. Actors. Yeah. No, that scene is separate, right? Oh, that's a di- you're talking about a different. Because I was talking about when he looks up and he's eating like a hyena uh, at the carcass, okay. and she comes in. I was like, that's just one of those moments. Like you can't teach that. You can't like you got it or you don't. He crushed it. Followed immediately by like one of the shots of the movie is him watching, and he's like, "We shared this thing, uh-huh. and you don't want to be with me." This man who has lived in loneliness for his whole he's life. Like, it seems. He ate his granddad. It's fascinating. He's hard. And again, he's a fucking terrifying character. Absolutely. But you're like, yeah, he he ate his granddad. He had no idea of knowing why, what happened. His family didn't know. I mean, fuck, imagine wherever he came from and back in the time. They thought it was demons, whatever the fuck. He was a, a monster of old. Who knows? So he's been running and gunning and drifting. And he thinks he's found someone he can actually help. Like, we never know his motivations, but you can do the emotional math. He's fucking lonely. It's a lonely fucking life, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And then, to your point, he keeps coming back. He's like, I've been watching you on your journey. And he's like, old Sola is ready. And she's like, Soli, it's weird you fucking followed me. you're be following cool. me. Like, that's not good. And it's like, well, that's bad. Soli, don't just start screaming cunt. Don't like, start be screaming cool. the C word in the middle but of the, middle of him, like, the you know, touching his fucking band. Like, he wishes Midwest. it was her neck, right? Like it's It's such masterful acting. But when he comes back in the finale... It is one of the great endings of like he's so he's so fucking scary. He's so believable. It's so emotionally true. Mm -hmm. It's not exploitative to me. It's they really and he's not in the movie that much. No. But to me, if you're like, what's the first thing you remember when you think of this movie? It's Sully. Like Sully is all the best He's stuff just in the movie effect- to me. It's such an effective performance. The shadow that it casts over the entire movie is just unbelievable. Because right. you know that when uh, he tells her on the planes, he goes, you want to be people? Let's be people. And then we see the people. Mm-hmm. And then Sully comes in and grabs her and he goes, we don't scream at friends. And you're like, oh my fucking God. It's, And the movie has trained us. You're like, any fucking horrible, hideous thing could happen here. Mm-hmm. Of course, a battle ensues and, and, you know, Lee perishes. But you're like, of but course, these people he just says, eat me. Can't be yeah, I want you to live and eat me. I want you to love me and eat me. I was like, man, if every husband hasn't dreamed of hearing that, Jesus <laughs> H. Um, but it is. It's just this. It's so because almost the end of it doesn't. I don't want to say that Timothy Chalamet dying and pleading with her to eat and then cutting back to the planes isn't emotionally effective. I think it is. It's so hard so, to do that after Mark Rylance is on the screen. I agree. There is something. I wanted to ask you this because Andrea looked it up after. Cause I, I, I didn't know this was based on a book. I never read the book. Yeah. But, um, so in the book, apparently, um, she eats him, but he does not tell her to eat him. He like she like does it without his consent. If you want to know my honest opinion, I think that's better. I kind of do too. I thought the same thing. I think thing. it's this. It's this. Again, the movie's constantly telling us you cannot. The whole movie is about people who tried to fight nature, and the consequences of that. So that letting Timothy Chalamet and her in the movie happy on the planes, you know, tits to fucking spinal cage because he has no body fat. Is nice, and there is something about her eating him afterwards that would right. Taint I mean, that I guess sure. like if you want to look at it, the contextual romanticism makes sense within the scope of the movie. Yeah, I do. You couldn't. Think, you could not go back to the planes. Is effective. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe you could. I do. Think, maybe though, knowing what's happening. I do think it's a better ending to, for it to be a like. There's like a, a sexiness to the eating. By the way, something we haven't because brought he's up. It's really brief. It, yeah. The the makeup effects in this are fucking awesome. Sorry. It's unbelievable. I, I, I have to say that one thing. Like, with, when she, 
when Sully invites her over to eat that old lady and she makes that first bite, like that tear into the flesh, and you just see the skin peel away. That I was like, we yeah. were eating dinner Ever since I was in the middle of watching like George this movie Romero last, I like, movies. I gotta stop yeah. eating for a second. Every time I see something like that, I look. But I think of this that last scene, right? It's very reminiscent to me. So they're eating this old lady who's dying. They don't help her, so they're kind of complicit in her death. Mm-hmm. What they're really doing is eating her. Maybe they're eating her alive. We don't even know. Um, but we listen to the sounds of them eating as we do this kind of opening of Henry portrait of a serial killer. We float past this old lady's dresser and we see the pictures of a long, happy, fulfilling life. We assume we don't know, but we assume there's weddings and kids and grandkids and traveling. Mm -hmm. And all we hear in the end is that fucking chewing, right? That no matter what, that's how it ends for all of us. Something is going to chew us up and it's over, right? Whether that's a consumptive disease, whether that's addiction, whether that's getting fucking run over by a semi-truck, like whatever it is, the world is going to chew on us at the end. I thought there was a real beauty to that. And I think the only problem I have is, yes, you want Marin and Lee's romance to essentially stay intact. What I kind of don't like about him having to give her permission is twofold. Is One, it's a movie about not fighting nature. Which it seems like they stop fighting nature when they're happy in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. And then nature fights back. I don't feel like they are punished because they did something they shouldn't. Maybe the movie's saying they shouldn't have tried to be people, right? And that's what happened. Whatever. I don't think he would have to tell her to eat. I think she would want to eat him bones and all. To have that last moment of having all of him she can. Right. And I don't think she would have to ask, and I definitely don't think he would have to tell her or get permission. So what you're because, saying is... Because, again, they are the same. So what you're saying is, is the movie ends with him mansplaining how to eat her, how to eat him. It feels a little like mansplaining. Little mansplaining. He's like, Marin, please stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Let so, really me. At the be- so really what this boils down to is toxic masculinity at the very end of this yeah. film. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you Bones can stop Oscar explaining. Layers, yeah. It'll take me five minutes to eat what little bits on the bone there, pal. <laughs> Maybe back yes. it down. Right? Thank you for the bountiful ribs, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for giving me life advice, guy with a mullet. Maybe bring it down a little bit. We're kind of highfalutin here, mansplaining me. I mean, if you really think about it, yeah, like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet being the meal, you're just like, I mean, how long does that last? Like, yeah, he's like, eat me. And she's like, what, what? are you talking about? What am I, what am I going to eat? Yeah, ew, gross. She's like, yeah, I'm not a dog. I don't chew on bones recreationally. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, thanks for the marrow. Appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> I guess your eyeballs are, yeah, that's fine. They're probably okay. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. If I had one thing, I do wonder why we didn't go a little more into and again, it's a fine line. So you don't want to over-prescribe the eating or or say enough to where then it becomes so locked in mythology-wise that we can't imagine ourselves in it. I did want to know if when he said there's before bones and all and after and like that's a big deal. Sure. I did want to know. I agree. Yeah. What they were trying to tell me that is, is that you ate all of it, that you had the gumption to eat things you weren't supposed to. I, I guess you know, in these art house kind of movies, you can metaphorically assume it's the, once you have completed the task all the way, you're not one foot in one foot out. Right. Like you're more about you down for that life. You about that life. I did wonder if there was a moment they could have, cause they so beautifully and poetically explain everything else. They kind of needs explaining. Sure. Uh, but again, it's a movie that, I think it's so hard to make a movie that where the magic is in the downtime. Cause I think a lot of people say that, right? Like they'll watch a Marvel movie. and be like, man, that look that Tony gives black widow. And you're like, shut the fuck up, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like that's not the same as when we're watching these two in the truck. Yeah. And it's really hard to make a movie where the bulk of the magic happens in those, just kind of quiet, still yeah. moments with two characters it sitting, takes, actually emotionally open to each it other. Like it is to that it's hard. logic. Look, and I think Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson are great actors. Like I've never not enjoyed their performances. Sure. It's fine. 
but that's not what those movies are for. These movies are built like Luca Guadagnino made a movie built for that moment, built for these moments, these small moments. So like that's when you see it, it, this is like um, when you see it in a Marvel movie per se, it's like shock to your system. You're like, whoa. Who, and, Cause it's yeah. more like, where'd they come up with that idea? That's interesting. It's almost like when you see Dick Van Dyke dance and Mary Poppins, yeah, exactly. you're like, wait, he's not a cartoon. Wait, he can no, do I mean, that? Interesting. It's, I'm just shit talking, but, but like, but you're right. But I, I agree. It is incredible. And then when you see it in movies like this, you're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be focused on. I'm not focused on the fact that these guys escaped from these weird cannibals, or I'm not supposed to focus on the fact that, you know, face down ass up Mark Rylance and the and the girl are eating. How could I not? I'm focused yeah. on the fact that it ends with this dejected look that Mark Rylance gives her from the bus, which is just beautiful. Or yeah, Timothy Chalamet delivering the line of the movie. Just like, how dare you make this harder than it already is? Yeah. Like, that's those moments. That's what yeah. this movie is built for. Yes. So when you see it in that context, you're like, damn, this movie is good. There, there is a confidence you have to have as a filmmaker, right, to really stay in the pocket in these. And I can imagine some people are like, well, if this movie really had that confidence, why do they need all the cannibalism and this and that? Sure, you can make a version of this that is just a straight coming-of-age, kids-on-the-run story, right? Sure. There's thousands of those. But the way they use the set dressing to give a more unengageable audience something to sink their teeth into (laughs) wordplay while never shorting on the emotional journey again and maybe people disagree with me maybe they think that every movie has these great emotional beats maybe they maybe they do they don't have them this often the bridge between them is not is sturdy i think to fit nuance in a movie about like cannibalism or any sort Dude, of Dude, it's, it's coming of age. It's Pretty sexual impressive. awakening. It's, it's cool. addiction. Yeah, it's fucking family I think any trauma. Movie it's, it has nuance in it, but like any movie with yeah. nuance that's about something this kind of like socially catastrophic is really worth your time. Really worth watching. I mean, it is. And I don't really even remember why it didn't really connect with me as much in the theater. I remember me and my friend driving home, and I was pretty hot and cold. And I was like, yeah, the Mark Ryland stuff was amazing, obviously. But eh, eh, eh. I'm, I watched it. I was fucking floored. I was like, this really is like one of the best pieces of work I've seen in the past couple years. Like, I'm I bet if I went through and really took a list, like, I don't know where I would put this, but it's got to be. Yeah. I would mean, it make how many years would I have to go back before it falls out of like the top 10 most powerful pieces for me personally right like i know some people like other oppenheimer whatever you know for me this one kind of hits all my sweet spots i think what i think it's so fucking rewarding of a film i don't know what the disconnect was honestly i think what's I can't... In, well i think what's interesting about movies like this and it's funny you bring up oppenheimer because christopher nolan has the same thing for me that like honestly luca guadagnino has this too there's a rewatch there's a rewatch factor to movies made by filmmakers who I think a lot of the times we just sort of like say, Oh yeah, that was a great movie. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for the meal. Appreciate that. It's mm-hmm. like this repeat occurrence though, and I've had this happen like between him, even Fincher lately. Like I rewatch yeah. a lot of these movies from great filmmakers or filmmakers that I consider great. And I'm like, oh, wow, I never noticed this before. And this movie is all of a sudden like re-unlocked. That is one of the other most impressive traits of films is that they continue to grow and evolve with you as a human. I agree. And there's so much work in there that you can always like really dig back in Mm -hmm. and that it feels new and fun every time. Agreed. That is, I mean, that's like next level. I can't even imagine. You want to talk about superpowers? That's a fucking superpower. Yeah, I mean, but that's what this one is, right? This this is a a true like primordial soup of all the stuff that matters about humans confronting monsters in every form in any shape. It's it's fucking incredible, man. Really like I I really I was so enamored by it this time watching it. Um, 
It's great. I think it's a fucking stunner, man. I think it's a fucking stone cold stunner. True love. That's right. I just realized it's a stone cold stunner. Yeah, no one our age can hear Stone Cold Stunner and not immediately hear Glass Break and the Stone Cold song. That's true. Oh my God, Stone Cold's eating and bones and all. Stone Cold's eating and bones and all. Jesus Christ! Clapping and singing, kiss you didn't even join. Lick it up. Sorry. Did I see the third to last Kiss show ever? Because I'm sure this time they mean it on their fifth retirement tour. Yes, I did. (laughs) Was I there? Did my two sons fall asleep? In a KISS concert with nonstop pyro and explosions that would melt most people's face off, the Griffey boys were like, I can take a nap through this. <laughs> yes, they did. They saw one song, went dope, and immediately fell asleep. Respect. Respect. We're just fucking, we're raised in war, dude. We're raised in war. We are the Mark Rylances of 80s fucking pop metal. No big deal. Yeah. We even listened to Kisco, dude. That's how hard we are. <laughs> Neither here nor there. What a sumptuous meal this was. I would gobble this movie up, bones and all. Same. Um, awesome. What a great movie. We have one more all-time classic coming up next. City of Angels. Uh, I don't want see me. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's the, don't think they there understand. is a... There should be... I'm sure this is a podcast somewhere, but I was like, just a little side episode... Where we just talk about the the tie-in mega fucking chart crushing song Ooh. with a blockbuster with like an A-list actor with the tie-in videos that are fucking insane. Hmm. How they decide like remember the Google dolls like walking around? I was like, what is this like? Is this like Howl's Moving Castle? Where the fuck are they looking at us from? Yep. Is this uh fucking Yonjirobi's house? Yeah, he's got these huge like magnifying glasses. I agree. Well, it's funny you bring that up. But, there might be a side pod about the uh, little mini series. We have some really cool Patreons. stuff. We're really we're crushing through our tales from the crypt series now. We have some other cool stuff on the way. Um, we're even going to have some writing coming up at even the one dollar level. So you're going to start getting fun stuff no matter where you are. We work very hard over on patreon.com slash pod to return the favor. If you're kind enough to support the show. Help us grow the show. Help us spread the word of the show. We want to make absolutely fucking sure that you are getting uh, the work back from us. So thank you, guys. Thank you in advance. Uh, The YouTube Film Alchemist. We're on all the social media. TikTok included. Now go find us there. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you're doing five-star ratings and review. Make sure you're going to misfitparade.net to check out some of the film work we're starting up. Uh, it's been a good ride so far. We got a lot of cool stuff on the horizon, so go check that out, misfitparade.net. More than anything, make sure you come back next week for City of Angels. In our all-consumptive love month, the month of a is nine. <laughs>